0: episode 23, and finally a show devoted to speedway, must be magic or something. Welcome to Bike Life,
1: Let's go!
0: yes it's a warm welcome to episode 23 of Bike Life here on Motorsport 101 and a landmark episode of the show as we throw out the regular rulebook and devote the show to Speedway. You'll never guess, in that case, who our panellist is this week. Um, on this show, we are going to look back on last weekend's Speedway British GP, which took place under the roof of the Principality Stadium in Cardiff. And a magic man by the name of Matsey Janowski took his second consecutive victory to launch himself into championship contention. We will talk about all of the big stories to come from uh, the British Speedway GP uh, and look at the season as a whole so far. Uh, we'll also cover the other big news of the week including news of one of our favourite riders from uh, Bike Life history and Speedway who may well be hanging up his helmet very soon for the good of his health. Uh, we'll also be looking at all the big news from World Superbikes as a familiar name looks set to return and we're going to look ahead to this weekend uh, as the Suzuka 8 hours brings the curtain down on the Endurance. World Championship for this season. We will also look back with Andre Harrison on the brand tax GP round of the British Superbike Championship, and Dre will be along a little bit later on. But until then, um, I am joined um, by, well, the voice of Speedway in our book at least, <laughs> uh, here on Motorsport 101 and Bike Live. It's Rebecca James. Welcome back, Max.
2: Thank you very much. Oh, uh, angle for a minute. I would like to. Ayo. Say, no, I am the voice of Speedway. That, that, that's it. Full stop right there. Just Not the, just the, the, the voice. voice. I am the voice of Speedway. I am the female voice of Speedway. The female let, voice. Let, yeah. I was going to say, you have yeah. good mates when I was a person, on. are you? I was going to say, yeah, I don't want to get sacked from my other job. So <laughs> <laughs> I am the female voice of Speedway.
0: <laughs> yeah. So she. She. that was a big backtrack if I ever heard one. Um, yeah. Uh, direct your complaints at Beck underscore J93 uh, <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. Um, other places you can find us though if you want to follow the show on twitter uh, at motorsport underscore 101 is how you can find us on facebook we are facebook.com forward slash motorsport101 our website is motorsport101.net our youtube channel youtube.com forward slash motorsport101 where you can find show highlights from our motorsport101 podcast and Uh, If you like us so much that you want to back us financially, you can back us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. If you back us at the $5 level, you earn yourself early access to Motorsport 101 and indeed to Bike Live. Episode 96 of Motorsport 101 is up and available to listen to right now. Uh, Episode 97 is coming very soon and something big is coming with it. You may well already know the news by the time this show goes out. Um, If not, check all of those channels that I've just mentioned to you. And you will soon find out. Um, right then, let's look back on the uh, British GP uh, that took place last weekend in Cardiff. And um, from speaking off there earlier on, um, it seems like the <laughs> British GP experience um, leads to quite the weekend, Bex. Oh, uh,
2: honestly, last weekend has to be the best weekend of my life. And I've had some pretty good weekends. I've been to the British Roofbox I've been to Worlds. I've been to Motor GP. I've been to Autosport, I've been to uh, Motorcycle Live, I've been to pretty much everything over the course of the last few years, but last weekend, like I've gone to Cardiff every year, pretty much, since it's been at what is now the Principality Stadium, formerly the Millennium Stadium. I've been to Cardiff pretty much every year, but I've never fully done the whole weekend, <laughs> which...
0: None of those have had the level of alcohol intake as this one.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, the... the... We'll, we'll go with, like, the post-18 show right now <laughs> involved me getting to Cardiff on the Friday after, uh, Friday morning, hitting the pub as soon as I got into the hotel, oh, pretty no. much, checked in, drank drank a little bit in the hotel, hit the pub, went back for some food, went out clubbing on the Friday night, woke up after about four hours sleep on the Saturday morning, drank a little bit in the hotel, went to the pub, drank the whole way to the Grand Prix, <laughs> Had a few beers oh, no. in the Grand Prix, came back to the hotel, ate some food, and then went back out on the town. So, wonder you Saturday remember any night. of it? It's um, look, seriously, if anyone has me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, um, the sheer amount of alcohol that me and my friend took with us for two bearing in mind, it was two nights that we went to Cardiff for. Um, If you don't, we ended up taking 40 cans of lager, 2 litre bottle of spirits, a bottle of wine, and a bottle of absinthe, and came home with not a lot. So I came home with about a third of the absinthe bottle, and that was about it. Oh dear. Um, It was the best weekend, and it weren't just the party, it was the fact that, you know, Cardiff for any Speedway fan across the world is the biggest event on the calendar. A lot of the European fans flock to Cardiff purely for the fact that it's such a party atmosphere. It's kind of like the Monaco of Formula One. It's where the deals get done for next season, um, and that's throughout all the leagues. So it, it's kind of it's a really big event in the, in the Speedway calendar. And as I say, I've never done the full weekend, and I've already booked my hotel for next weekend uh, next year. I was going to say I've tickets went on sale tickets. like the
0: weekend after.
2: I've not yet got my tickets for the Grand Prix for next year but my hotel's booked and secure so that says a lot about how much I value the weekend it was an amazing weekend we had so much fun everyone, every man and his dog in the speedway world is at Cardiff for the Grand Prix weekend and it was the best experience I've ever had and I am counting down the days till next year it's on the same weekend next year so I literally have Mm -hmm. 365 Four uh, no, three hundred and sixty two days to wait until I can relive it all again. Yeah, and no, I it's going to take that long to buzzing. probably
0: uh, shake the hangover off. Um, um, what,
2: what, what I, I did have a two day hangover. I'll <laughs> be honest. So I came back. I like, I had about four hours sleep on the Saturday night, traveling home on the Sunday. I didn't feel too bad. I felt a bit, you know, meh. went to Weatherspoon's for breakfast, um, and <laughs> for then breakfast. came home on the Sunday, and I was fine. Waking up at quarter to five Monday morning to get to work on the kitchen open was not a fun experience and one that I do not want to relive again. So mental note made for this time next year, book the Monday off work as well.
0: Mm, I was going to say, I've seen Rebecca James drunk and um, yeah, it's... It's, it's fun. It's fun. It is fun. It is fun. But yeah, given that this was a two-day hangover, I can only imagine what kind of state you were in uh, when this was all taking oh, place. And, and, well, one, and one thing I noticed again. as well, one thing I noticed as well, looking at the um, aforementioned Snapchat and Facebook uh, and Instagram yeah. accounts, is that, first of all, there was a lot of chanting to the tune of the Seven Nation Army with the name of a rider we're going <laughs> to mention in a moment. Um, but but also, um, there were riders that you had just watched race around them at Principality Stadium in those pictures. And that's something that... I mean, I don't want to say it's unique to Speedway, but it's probably unique. Speedway is unique within motorcycle racing. and I don't get the impression watching MotoGP, World Superbikes, possibly even British Superbikes, that the riders are quite that open just to mingling with the public and drinking with the public after they've gone racing on a weekend.
2: Um. Oh, you've kind of landed me in a ditch there. Yeah. Basically, right. Let's start. Let's from the start. Yeah. Go my, ahead. My, my Snapchat and my Instagram story kind of went. from when our hair's done nice put a bit of makeup on and then gradually throughout the night (laughs) it just gets worse and worse and worse and then all of a sudden the 2012 world champion pops up (laughs) because I have in walkabout partying with a certain 2012 world champion Uh, uh, those of you that have done your superhero research having listened to us bang on about it on the show will know who that is If you don't, it's a certain favourite or one of my favourite riders of mine, certain Aussie Chris Holder. He was there partying with us. Uh, Lucas and Alice Dream were the Czech Republic riders um, who both featured in the Grand Prix all many years ago. They were there with us. Eddie Kenny, who's just signed for pool. Um, He was out. Todd Kurtz, who used to ride for Plymouth. I think he still does actually. Say the Plymouth or Somerset in the championship. He was out. Um, Sam Masters, who I am expecting to get the world card ride at the Melbourne Grand Prix. When a I guy probably best in... known on
0: this show for having a punch at Nicky Pedersen.
2: <clears throat> yes, that'd be the guy, the one that swung a punch at Nicky Pedersen, landed a pretty good blow as well. Fair to say, punch he's got that a Bex good. Has spent all his life
0: up. wanting to throw.
2: The boxing kangaroo analogy relives itself in that sense. Um so yeah, they were all out and somehow I'm not quite sure how because it's it's not a blur, but I'm not quite sure how.
0: Somehow our bite I Life panelists managed to plug
1: their way.
2: To party <laughs> with them and it was oh, it was such such a good weekend, but yeah, my Snapchat story went from half decent to just shambles within a matter
0: of like three hours <laughs> yeah she uh, she woke up this morning how many of my snapchats am i gonna have to delete in a moment uh, when she when she opened that up um it's almost on the back of that almost a bit of an anti-climax to talk about the racing that happened but but let's do so
2: oh no the racing was incredible the, the, race, the racing was say.
0: incredible and the result if you are one rebecca james was incredible mm-hmm. um because a mm-hmm. uh, man taking uh, a victory which kind of culminated a pretty incredible month for the guy
2: Oh, what? I mean, did I or did I not, back in about February-March time, say to you all that Matt Sajnowski will be one to watch this season. He had a really tough time last year. He had personal issues going on in the background. He got dropped from the Polish World Cup squad. It just it just everything that could have gone wrong for him in the 2016 season did go wrong for him. And he's came back with such a vengeance this year. He's riding so well for Vroslav in the Polish League, he's, he's sitting out of England again this year and I think he's made the correct choice because he's not so physically drained and you can tell that in his riding style Um, as it comes to the individual stage with the Grand Prix a couple of weeks ago when he was sort of third and he was about eight points off I was like, you know what, I can go sitting pretty in Melbourne, happy that you know he's going to claim a bronze medal that bronze medal is well, well in the back of my mind at the minute because I'm going for gold, going for gold. he is in I am, I am me and Magic together we are going for gold in Melbourne because he is on such a high at the minute it's absolutely incredible he's riding like I have never ever seen him ride before and I've been to a lot of his meetings at the end of the day when we all think about it I've been to Gorzhev in Poland to watch him ride I've been to Cardiff multiple times to watch him ride I travelled the length and breadth of England when he rode in England to watch him ride and I've been to Sweden to watch him ride and I'm going to Australia to hopefully watch him lift the world title at the end of the year. This guy is in the form of his life at the minute and he made me so, so proud. I, I didn't think he... I mean, I said him, I obviously write for a, a local speedway team in their programme every week and the four Polish riders that won the World Cup just a few weeks ago, and we'll come into that in just a little bit's time. But I actually said that I wouldn't be very, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if those are the four riders we saw in the final at Cardiff, and people were saying that I was mad, I was this, I was that, I was the other, because the Polish riders normally don't do well on tight technical tracks, and that's what Cardiff is. I mean, a lot of the Polish tracks are so open, so wide, you can blast around right the outside, and that's what the Poles love. Cardiff is not like that at all. It's tight, it's technical, and I was, I was halfway there because two of the Polish riders from the World Cup squad made the final, and Magic won it. And I was sat with a lot of Polish lads. We'd purposely got tickets in that position because I took my massive five-foot Polish flag with Magic's name and rider number on the back. So we purposely sat there because so, so we fitted in with them lot. And I actually got a message off one of my friends that could see me. I couldn't see them, but they could see me for it, the whole Grand Prix. And apparently I was just getting more and more Larry and dancing uh,
1: yeah.
2: as the grand prix went on and he actually texted me and said i honestly thought you were going to stack it down the stairs with how much no. you were dancing when magic when magic crossed the line well this is the thing um, as
0: soon as i read this quote from matt sinofsky when he said that there are a lot of polish fans and it was crazy straight away my i thought was you know what matt said they weren't all polish
2: <laughs> oh no i made a friend right bit off topic here obviously i was sat with all the poles at the back they had like a 10 foot polish banner um, I had my massive flag We were all dancing We were all drinking We were all having a little party. I met this mate well, He was talking fluent Polish to me Very much I can say about 15 words in Polish And I've got a thick black country accent So he's there like proper going for it in Polish And I'm looking With a such wrong. a blank face Going Uh <laughs> Which,
1: which means I'm what? pretty
2: sure is The wrong pronunciation of excuse me in Polish Okay um, And he was like obviously we, we had a bit of a, a communication barrier so out come the google translate on yeah. my phone right trying to tell him that i don't speak much polish and he got up and walked off and he'd come back for the rest of the night but i made a friend oh.
0: well it doesn't so, sound like he made a friend by that that telling of the well, story i did
2: i did because he wouldn't he, he wouldn't stop chatting to me until i told him that i couldn't speak polish
0: all right and then he lost interest
2: and then he lost interest yeah story of my life really <laughs>
0: <laughs> Blimey. <laughs> yeah, we're getting very, very deep now, isn't it? Um, let's get back to the Speedway. Um, and Matt he, as you say, he had a, he's had a brilliant month. Victory yeah. in the previous round of the Speedway GP Series, which yes, came in, in Horsens. Um, and in between that, as you say, leading Poland to the World Cup, which, as, as oh. you say, given that the last time he was involved in the Polish World Cup squad, he well, wasn't involved with it, if you see what I mean. Um, pretty lousy yeah. description, <clears> but you <throat> see what I mean. Um, to go from that to a year on, to leading his, his nation to victory, is quite the turnaround.
2: Well, he, he was captain for Poland um, in the first in, in the opening round for them last season and he had a pretty shocking night by all accounts and um, <clears throat> Marek Schielek decided to, to drop Matt I'd brought tickets for the final because Poland were there and then arrived on the day to see the team sheet and was not too impressed, shall yeah. we say. Um, but that was then, this is now, he's came back, as I say, he's came back with such a vengeance. Um, and in hindsight, Schleck I would probably say they made the right call that. on him last year. I would say he's made the right call on him because I think it's giving him a kick up the backside that he needed to get his head back in the game, get himself focused, focus on his equipment rather than his personal life that was distracting him far too much. And there was, we spoke about this a couple of months ago, I just didn't remember saying, he had a lot of issues and He has sorted those issues now. They are not a problem because they do not exist. They are not there anymore. Read into that what you will. I'm not going to spout the ins and outs of his personal life, but that'd be that. Um, But yeah, it was definitely the right call for him. He just wasn't in the right headspace this time last year. And now he's came back. He, in my opinion, rightly got given the captaincy back of Poland. He won it for them. And he actually did win it for them because it was his ride in, I think I think it was Heat 18, but that is recalling after a lot of alcohol over a college. But I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was Heat 18. Matt Sayonowski was the ninth Polish rider, and it was his victory yeah, I that actually took... I seem took... to
0: remember saying that when we mentioned it on the news a few weeks ago, yeah, that he was it, the top it, scorer it, on the night.
2: He was the one. He was the one. Um, his ride in Heat 18, his victory in Heat 18, was, the, it was enough to seal it mathematically for Poland in front of the Polish fans in Poland at Leszno. And he was the one that won it as captain and it couldn't be any more fitting for him. He's kind of gone full circle. He's back to the magic that he was back in 2013-14 down at Wimbledon Road in and I was watching him week in, week out. He's back there now and there's no stopping him. And so, obviously, he won at Horsens in Denmark last year. He's won at Horsens in Denmark this year. And then to go on and win at the biggest stage in speedway, I honestly could have cried. I I, honestly... I was so, so happy. Not only the fact that I was happy, but he'd also won me money because I did bet on him. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, No, but no, this is the kick in the teeth. right? I bet in Magic to win, but I also had a bet for Magic to win and Bartosz Schmarzlik to come second. And
0: he was in the final.
2: Schmarzlik made the final, so I was thinking, yes. Right, bear in mind, the odds for this to happen was 125 to 1. And I was stuck two quid on it. So it was nothing, really, but 125 to one. For me, that's like a week's worth of money for that's Australia. Not, look, that's oh, coming like half in a few... the
0: money you spent on drinks that weekend.
2: Yeah, pretty much right. You'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> Walkabout was so expensive in Cardiff. Unreal. Four drinks came to £25. No. Yes. Two double <laughs> vodka Red Bulls, two double vodka Malibus. Uh, no, two double Malibu Cokes came to £25. I nearly had a heart attack at the bar. Anyway, that's beside the point. then paid anyway. <clears throat> yeah, then paid anyway. And <laughs> proceeded to carry on paying again because we had the same rounds more than times. Um, but, as I was saying, pardon, thanks Lewis, I've kind of lost my point there. <laughs> yeah, uh, Janowski and Schmarsley, 125-1. to 1. So for a lap and a half of the final in Cardiff... I'm literally screaming because not only is my boy winning,
0: Mentally spending but the person money. that's
2: going to get me like 300 and some odd quid is finishing second and then his bloody engine seizes. <sighs> like, of all the races for that to happen, literally I just had this like 320 quid like dangling in front of my face. just went, poof, no thank you, see you later, and, and, and wandered off. And I was, I was absolutely heartbroken but elated at the same time because Magic won and still won me some money. Not that you should bet, and bet responsibly
0: if you do. Yeah, well, I, it's funny. Yeah, you have to say that just as I've got the uh, odds for this year's <laughs> World Championship winner in front of me on my phone, um, because at the moment, Jason Doyle, who we're going to come on to in a moment, is the still he's still <clears throat> a betting favourite, six to four. Yeah. Um, to win this year's title, Janowski and Patrick Dudek are tied for second favourite at nine to two, um, and they are actually tied for second in the World Championship as well on points. Um, six rounds to go, so practically half the season still to go. There we is are. still a awful long way to go yet, but, um. There's every sign that Janowski's there to stay this year. There's no sign of him going away. I mean, you will be there in Melbourne in October <laughs> to, to watch the final of this season. And putting all of Ryder allegiances aside, there's a genuine belief here that he could do this this year.
2: There is, a, there is a genuine, genuine belief. He's good enough. He's fast enough. His engines are working superbly. And he's now mature he's got, enough. He's mature enough as well now. I honestly believe that he's, he's actually he's ready. to. It sounds stupid, but he's he's now ready to win the world title, And I think that if he did, it wouldn't affect him too much. I mean, we look back, they always say, you, you, the first one is brilliant, but the second one is the hardest to get. And I honestly think that that would be something that probably wouldn't phase Magic coming into next year if he was the world champion. I don't think that would really phase him and, and sort of hinder his performance in 2018. But, I think he's there as a rider now, physically, mentally, emotionally. He's he's fully there. He's fully committed. Um, as you say, though, we are only halfway through. And if you don't know much about Speedway, just go and ask Jason Dawlett how things can drastically, drastically mm. change. Because within a meeting and a half, he went from leading the world title to, unfortunately, having to sit out the last round one crash anywhere could ruin it and and these guys
0: and these guys aren't like I mean obviously we've seen Moto Grand Prix riders injure themselves between rounds but they don't actually race competitively between rounds which many speedway riders do Um, it's it's not just the Grand Prix calendar that they race to they also race in domestic championships so um, you're not one of them as we're going to tell you a bit later on so so much can still change
2: that's the thing like if you're a speedway rider you can be riding six days a week Mm. because you've got Six the Grand chances Prix on the Saturday. Injured. You've got Poland on the Sunday. If you ride in England, you ride in England on Monday. Sweden on Tuesday. You can be back in England on the Wednesday. You'll travel to the next round of the Grand Prix on the Thursday. Practice on the Friday. Race again on the Saturday. And you know it's just a constant cycle of. This could be the meeting that ends the rest of my season mm. and that's a really horrible way of looking at it but you you hit the nail on the head there yeah, like that's happened. For, for, for a grand prix rider say motor gp or a world super british not british super rider you know the top top dogs they're they they race once every two weeks mm. and, th- and that's it and then they do whatever they want in that time They go to the gym whatever but the, the fitness for the speedo riders is it happens on track every day of the week so there's so much more risk uh, involved of of getting injured and whatnot and it, it, it's it's one of them like it's my beloved sport but boy god i just want to wrap them all in bubble wrap
1: <laughs> yeah
0: um more <laughs> on that later on when we get to the real yes. world champion um but in terms of the current championship leader uh, jason doyle went in sharing the championship lead uh, with the poland patrick dudek uh, going into this mm-hmm. round they went in tied on 68 points um, and although he didn't win the meeting, Jinovsky beat him to the victory in the final. Doyle taking second. back, Doyle comes out of it as the sole championship leader, despite only winning two times on the night. And and you mentioned him a moment ago. This is, is a rider who I still think is, is being driven by the heartache at the end of last season, where he didn't even get the chance to compete for the title in the final round, which he led going in.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Like People are going to think I'm probably being really boyish right now. But him and Dudek were... As you say, tied on the 60, 68, I think it was. And Magic was only on Quick Maths. Uh, 58. 58, I mm. want to say, yeah. yeah. 11 back. So, though uh, though Jason Doors came out as the sole leader in the championship, purely because Patrick Dudak ha- didn't have a shabby night, but he didn't make the final exactly uh, and same, whatnot, Magic's only three points behind Jason Doyle now. So, yes, he's the sole championship leader, but Magic had such a good night that he's managed to pull back all those points on his nearest and dearest rival. And he's put himself in the hot seat at the minute. And it's all eyes on, on, on Jason Doyle to see how he copes with that with that pressure. So it's great that he came out as the sole championship leader, but he's, he's lost his lead in that sense because he was tied with Dudek. And then Magic was like 11 points behind. Well, now Magic's his nearest, but he's only three points behind. Mm-hmm. So that's a massive gap to, to pull back in one night. And... Would you I mean, would you Jordan's
0: say from that? Rider. Would you say from that that is likely to be a greater threat later in the season than Dudek?
2: I would say so, yeah, because the momentum's behind Magic at the moment. I mean, it's it's difficult as it is to, to win any Speedway Grand Prix, especially mm. in the field field that we've got this year. You, you, you're practically going in blind because you're taking points off one another. I mean, we'll touch on it in a little bit, but Ty Woffinden didn't make the semis at Cardiff mm. last weekend, and he picked up nine points. Obviously, Riders getting to the semis on seven points. But the field is so competitive this year, then riders are taking points off each other all night that nine points might not be might not be the cutoff point. You're gonna have to do better than that. And you've got to up your game, you've got to step up and and be competitive from, from the off. You can't have it used to be you you could have like a few dodgy third places. You cannot have one bad race in this field anymore this season because there's gonna be someone snapping at your heels taking those points off you and knocking you out of the semi-final positions, which is what happened to Tyre Woffington.
1: Mm.
2: And unfortunately, it was his home Grand Prix. But that that's the way Speedway is at the minute. And it, I think after so long of... I mean, I've enjoyed the Grand Prix for, for years upon years. And every year I seem to say, oh, it's, it's even more competitive than it was last year. But it, like, looking at the team sheet and looking at the riders that you have lining up on that grid... Racing, race out this season is phenomenal. I mean, I said it before about the World Cup. If Anyone anyone that follows me on Twitter would know, if you wanted an advert for what true Speedway was like, point them in the direction of the World Cup. Any one of the four rounds of the World Cup that happened a few weeks ago would have been a fantastic advert for Speedway. But right now, the Grand Prix is still, I think, just that one little step ahead because they are the sixteen best riders in the world and they are knocking chunks out of one another and there's no love lost when they're on track at all so it's i cannot wait for the remainder uh six rounds and the last one i'm gonna be at
0: (laughs) yeah yeah you can't tell at all that she's excited about that can you um patrick Dudek then who's in himself he's still quite a young rider he's still what, yep. only only twenty five, so he's that that's that's fairly young, certainly young by uh, the standards of the reigning champion. He's old enough to be his son, um, but he's <laughs> as a, he's dropped to third. And I was going to say, by the standards of his season, a slightly disappointing night. He didn't make the final, um, but Dudek's kind of kept himself in the frame really back this season throughout. Now consistency, because he hasn't won a round yet um, this season, yeah. but he's he's also been on the podium on three occasions. Was second. Um, earlier on in the season in Latvia to a surprise winner in, in Peter Pawlitsky. Um so even when other guys are sharing the victories around Dudek's just there thereabouts every single round and that might well be a good recipe to winning a world championship having no bad rounds because you know he's had two rounds where he's only scored six points um, earlier yeah. this season Dudek's been chipping away at it he's been in double figures for every round bar one and even in that round he scored nine points on the night so the guy's going about it the right way, isn't he? Even though he's not winning rounds, he's, he's keeping himself in the frame. He's just chipping away at it.
2: Oh, God, yeah. What's my favourite saying again? Consistency is key. Mm. And because we don't have the stereotypical race format that like, the GP guys have, like you know, the 25,
1: Yeah.
2: Like, we used to have that. Um, and then it just got to a point where it was absolutely ridiculous because you could qualify for the final on 10 points. And then by just winning one race in the final by gating and just leading four laps, riding the inside line for four laps. You'd gain yourself 25 points on the championship. It just weren't. It wasn't logical. So now they've done it that whatever you earn over the night is what you get towards your, your total towards the end. And for for Patrick Duda, that seems to be working quite a lot because he's a really, really good rider. He's kind of burst onto the scene. Um He's been around for a few years, like, but he's kind of, he's another Jason Dole. He's just all of a sudden hit the world stage, took it by storm and everyone's going, yo, where the bloody hard did you come from? (laughs) Um, But he's absolutely electric and, you know, so what he's not won a Grand Prix. Last year, Greg won two. Mm. He won the same amount for his whole championship winning season, last season, to what Magic's won this season already. I was going
0: to say, Magic is the only rider this season to win more than once.
2: Exactly. But, Greg managed to win the world title on just on two champion two rounds last year because he was consistent for the other ten. So, Dudek's got nothing to worry about at the minute, as long as he can stay near and close. If he gets one championship win, who cares? Because he's still going to be there. So, that's the one thing I do like about how the, the Speedway Grand Prix format works, is that you, you get what you work for. So, if you have a bad night, you don't get the you points on the board. It. Yeah. So... That, I think that is a really good way of, of working. Uh, speedway, I, I mean, I can't see it working for anything else, but for Speedway, it really, really does work. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's made everything a lot more exciting towards the end. Because you imagine the times of like when Tony Ricciardo was riding and Lee Adams was riding, you know, they were, they were blitz in the field. And then they could have like two really dodgy Grand Prix's, but they'd still be out-and-net world champion because they'd won six on the bench or something and got 25 points in each when... Realistically, they probably weren't the top-scoring rider. So I think the ch- the challenge has been well-received by everyone.
0: Mm. And, and one rider who did have a bad night and paid for it at the weekend, or a, a, a relatively speaking, a bad night, because he was up towards the front of the championship. Uh, Freddie Lindgren, who went in in touching distance of the championship lead and ends it a full race meeting behind. He's now 21 points back, Freddie Lindgren, paying the price for not even making the semis.
2: Yeah, I mean... Freddie's trying a new engine that no one else in the Grand Prix field has at the minute. And it's no secret that in recent years Freddie has struggled on the world stage. So much so that he didn't even get a pick for last year. Mm. Um Now he's back in it, rightly so, because he earned his place. He went mm. through the Grand Prix Blitzed qualifiers the first two and any any Exactly. And then has burst onto the scene was the championship lead after the opening couple of rounds and has, has really tailed off all of a sudden he's he's barely got anywhere more than you know he's, he's barely got anywhere near double figure scores for the last four rounds his hoist one was eight and that was in Horsens in Denmark Um, but all of a sudden he's just kind of it's it's, it's like he peaked too early and he, mm. he's kind of on the come on down now and it's a shame to see because it's good to see him he was another one that was out at Cardiff just, just saying. He has a really, he has a really good fist pump to the to the beat of the music. Uh, he was doing that a lot.
0: It's really exciting here.
2: Um, but I just, I do feel for Freddie Lindgren because, as I say, he burst onto the scene and it just felt like, oh yes, it's finally clicked. He's he's finally up there. He's finally got machinery underneath him that he's actually going to work. He's actually going to be able to be competitive on the world stage. And all of a sudden, what do you know? He's Dwindled off, and as you say, he's a whole race meeting beyond. And that's he can only draw level with Jason Dole, given Jason Dole doesn't score a point. So,
0: yeah, and Lingrim would have to win the lot uh, the next round as well. Exactly, seven out of seven is hard to do. Yeah, it, it is, it's very, very rare. um Two riders, though, who made the final who have kind of different issues on their plate at the moment. I mean, it's, like I say, it's still a long way to go. So we can't really talk about Mate Zagar and Bartosz Zmarzlik as two riders who can't win the championship because there's still an awful lot of points to be played for. But these are two guys, Beck's, who were either side of the dreaded cut-off line for the top eight for next year. Uh, and both did their hopes of retaining their spot for next year. The power of good in Cardiff.
2: Oh, God, yeah, it's a, a fantastic achievement for, for Matei Zagar. Um, to get onto the podium, and it was it was a great Grand Prix for him. You know he's kind of went under the radar quite a lot. Um, he had a fantastic opening round, and he's he, he's kind of bought the Warsaw Grand Prix, which was the second round, he's steadily got better over the course of the, the rounds, and so he seems to be sort of finding his feet, finding his form, and uh, really sort of coming coming into his own in the Grand Prix stage.
0: He is, and and Zagar is a point outside of the top eight at the moment. Smarzlik is seven points ahead of him by virtue of the fact that he... Had a decent enough round, was a top point scorer on the night heading into the final until, as Bex mentioned earlier on, his engine seized up and cost him any hope of adding to that. He would have had he finished second in that final. He would have been the top point scorer on the night with 18, as it is. He ended up on 16, a point shy uh, of Janowski. Um, let's talk about the two-time world champion Ty Woffenden, the man who many of the supporters who packed themselves into the Principality Stadium were hoping to see win uh, on the night. The home favourite, or one of them. Um, but Kind of the story of his season, Bex. Just not quite happening for him. Didn't even make the semis. Um, and Ty Funder, it's amazing to me, when I actually look at this championship picture for this season, hasn't even stood on a podium yet um, in, the, in the Speedway GP season so far. Um, he's going to have to start doing it pretty quickly, isn't he? Because his championship hopes are fading fast.
2: I would say they're starting to look, to look bleak, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: he's also 21 points, I believe.
2: It was it was unfortunate for no, he's twenty two points off the lead. Twenty two. He's on fifty seven. Oh wait, no. So Freddie Lingren's on Freddie Lingren's twenty points off the lead, and Wolfenden's twenty one points. Yeah. We were close. Bad maths. It's late at night. Just leave yeah, us It's been record, a long we're day for me. Recording this
0: quarter past eleven at night.
2: <sighs> um, but no, for Tom, yeah. it it just hasn't seemed to have gelled, and I mean, he's he's got a new house now he obviously married his missus he's new wife faye uh over the winter period and they're expecting a little baby so there's gonna be a little baby buffing done running around in a few months time um so it's easy to say that maybe he's distracted i don't want to i don't want to cause speculation but you know there's a lot of things going on he's had in his, on his own plate, personal yeah. life yeah he has got a little bit more on his plate this year but He's a fast rider. You can. T- he he looked really fast at Cardiff, um, and me and the guys that we were sat riding with, we all said he's got a good chance this year. And don't forget, the last time a Brit won the British Grand Prix was back in 2007 when Chris Harris made that fantastic move on Greg Hancock coming out of uh, bend four on the final lap to take the checkered flag literally. Um, by a bike's length. I don't know how we managed to do it because no one's managed to find that line ever since 2007. So it's kind of been like, we were going into Cardiff last weekend on 10 years of hurt and pain and sorrow that we haven't had a brick good enough to do it then. And all eyes were on Ty Wolfenden and And unfortunately for him. It just always seems to be the British Grand Prix. If he's not breaking a Mm. collarbone, he's missing out on the semis.
0: I mean, as he he said himself, he didn't have a bad night necessarily. I mean, he got nine points, which is normally enough to get you in.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, as I said, though, like about 10 minutes ago, this season, you, you're you going to have to aim for double figures to categorically guarantee your place in the semifinals week in, week out. And I'm not saying that uh, in the next round in Melilla in Sweden that someone won't, won't qualify on seven points. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that if you don't set your sights on double figures, you are not guaranteed a, a semi final place because... 15 of those riders that are on track during that meeting, they are all capable of beating one another on their die and they're going to be taking points off you. So you need to be physically and mentally on your game from the very off. You cannot you cannot afford to finish anywhere other than second in any one of your five qualifying heats for the semi-final. Because if you do, you're in jeopardy of your semi-final position because someone is going to be in the same position. But if they beat you and they get the extra points, obviously basic maths guys, you're going to get knocked out and that's exactly what happened to Tyler Wofferdon, if it comes on countback and they beat you in your race, in your qualifying heats, they get the position and that's exactly what happened to Tyler Wofferdon, there was a group of people on nine points and he missed out via countback, so he needs to, I'm not saying he needs to step his game up because he is so he is a fast rider, but I just, he, he doesn't look like the rider that he was last year
1: no,
0: I, In I, the
2: nicest it, way possible.
0: Yeah, and uh, to be fair, he was quite the rider uh, last year. He, he finished the runner up. I mean, he's, when there are guys like Peter Kilburn for instance, who's essentially a standing, because he didn't start the season as part of a regular rider, he, he cruised through to the semis. People like him are knocking now out. It's, there are no stragglers at the back anymore, are there? There are no riders that you no. can just discount immediately and um, just the wrong side of it in the end, missing out. And it's one of those. If he'd made it through to the semis on nine points, it was countback that cost him. Who knows what could have happened? He might have won the meeting. You just don't know. He um, might well have picked up another six points, ended up with 15, and that makes a huge difference. It's it's the, 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 the fine margins that we deal with in, in professional sport. Um Greg Hancock knows all about that. He's the reigning world champion. And, uh, well, I mean, if Ty Wolfenden's championship hopes are starting to look bleak, then I think we can almost discount Greg Hancock, sadly, from retaining his title. He trails the championship leader now by 33 points. Um, Uh. But he's got bigger issues at the moment, uh, hasn't he, Bex? Because he only rode once at the Principality Stadium. That was his very first heat of the night because he had dislocated his shoulder going in. And now we know you've got to be in your bonnet about riders who injure themselves in <laughs> motocross accidents. Where do we stand on riders who injure themselves falling down the stairs at home?
2: Um, well, well. <laughs> back to my earlier reference of I just want to wrap every speedway rider in cotton, in cotton yeah. wool and bubble wrap. That's exactly what I think I uh, need to do for... Ah, poor little Greg Hancock at the moment. 45 years of age, stood on top of the world at the end of last season in Melbourne. Um, Not having the best of times this season. And, yeah, I mean, he races a bike week in, week out, day in, day out, because he rides in Poland and Sweden as well, with no brakes, no gears. And the end of that sentence for most speed riders is no fear. And what does he do? He goes and falls down the stairs. A few days before Cardiff dislocates his shoulder and puts everything in jeopardy, absolutely everything. Yeah, then, I mean,
0: and then pops it out again <laughs> in practice on the Friday.
2: Yeah, I mean he was in a bad place, but he said that I was I was um I was watching an interview with him and he said that come practice on the Friday he didn't have it strapped up at all, wow. so it came out. I think it was three times in practice, God. but he didn't have it strapped up. He strapped it up for the Grand Prix, but I think because of how many times it came out the day, literally the day before, um, it just, the pain was unbearable. I mean, he didn't even manage to lap. He came out of the the tapes. It was a full start, so he got recalled. And then coming out of Ben 2, I originally thought that his engine had gone, and I was like, typical, he's made the gate. What happened... um, apparently, is that his shoulder was giving him so much dip that he just knew in his heart of hearts he had to stop because (laughs) he was a danger to himself and he was a danger to the other three riders on track that he was on with at that present moment in time. Mm. And that was where the experience came. And unfortunately... You could see him interviewed afterwards. He was gutted. Oh, I mean, Greg, this is like his home Grand Prix. He's an honorary Brit. He's rode in Britain for many, many years. And yes, he doesn't ride in Britain now, but he's done an absolute fantastic service to British Speedway over the years most namely one of my local clubs and my, my, the club that I support, the proudly Heathens, uh, he he rode for them. He was captain for them. You know, he's done a fantastic job for British Speedway and uh, there's a lot of British fans that adore Greg Hancock. I mean, you only have to stand on any terrace in, in Britain. Now, I challenge you, in fact, to stand on any terrace in England at a Speedway meeting and not to find one kid at least, that's named greg that's under the age of 12 years of <laughs> age because everyone adores him so much i mean i want to name my son greg purely for that for that fact i would have been called greg if i was a boy and i always said to mum and dad when i have a boy i'm gonna call him greg so you at least can call your grandson that <laughs> and that that's the thing like he's got so many fans in britain that it is like his home ground for he's treated one of our own there's a mass amount of American flags. He gets one of the biggest receptions. It's practically on par with Toll Whifford's reception and it was absolutely heartbreaking to see him have to pull out of the meeting. In fairness, it gave Adam Ellis and Josh Bates a chance and Josh Bates did not disgrace himself in the slightest. He picked up two points in the end. Uh, he beat 2012 world champion Chris Holder in one of the races. Um, but in, in terms for Greg and where his career is going there, I kind of... I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, mm. unfortunately.
0: Yeah, which is sad to say, what was a career um, it, it's been. Uh, the result then from the British GP, Janowski the winner. Um, I'll say that again because Bex will want to hear it again. Janowski the winner. Um, 17 points overall, which made him the top scorer on the night, as well as the overall uh, GP winner from Jason Doyle and Matej Zagar. That was your podium. Bartosz Marslik, despite doing so well to get to the final, uh, was let down by his equipment. When he got there, he was fourth. Emil Saifudinov, fifth. Uh, ahead of Peter Kilderman, Patrick Dudek, and Chris Holder was eighth, but he got to drink with Bex afterwards, so he was perhaps the real winner. Uh, Ty <laughs> Wolfenden uh, missing out on the semis, he was ninth overall. Freddie Lindgren, tenth. Then came Nils Christian Everson, and Antonio Lindback, who uh, is the first rider in the leaderboard not to actually win a heat. So 11 different riders winning a heat uh, over the course of the night. Just to emphasize the point of how strong the field is. Uh, Championship standings then. Doyle leads it by three. He has 78 to Yanovsky's 75. Dudek also on 75 in third. Freddie Lindgren is fourth now on 58. 20 off the lead. Level with Saifudinov, who's fifth. Tawfunden is sixth. Uh, Shmarzlik seventh now. Martin Vachulik is in eighth position. Uh, He's had a nightmare the last two rounds. Only four points for him. Uh, in the British round to go with his one point uh, in Horsens the round before that. He's now under serious pressure from Zagar, who is just a point behind him in ninth. Reminder, top eight in the championship are automatically um, moved forward into next year's Speedway GP series, uh, which means that Greg Hancock is currently under threat. He's 10th, Um, Peter Pavlitsky is 11th, and Chris Holder is 12th in the points at the moment, just ahead of Nils Christian Everson and Antonio Lindback, who is on 36 points and trails the top eight. By 13 at the moment. Next round of the championship, August the twelfth, couple of weeks from now, in malilla in Sweden. Um and as we go on to the news, and we're going to start the news with some speed weight as well, um, it kind of brings us, brings together the two themes so far. Because Matt Say winning, um, and the next round being in malilla in Sweden, um, it's kind of fitting, because Yanofsky's done some winning there this week, Bex.
2: Yeah, as I say, he's on a massive, massive high at the moment. He just he cannot seem to stop winning any races that he uh, that, that he finds himself on track in. Um, he's on such a super, super high, and he did a fantastic job in Voslav as well, um, uh, just the night after Cardiff. So, the world is his oyster at the moment and no one and nothing seems to be coming within his way.
0: Yeah, a 14... Which
2: I'm obviously very, very happy about.
0: Yeah, you'd never have guessed. fourteen point fourteen paid, 15 point maximum. He won the lot um, in his outing uh, on Tuesday this week. Um, in, uh, in the domestic Swedish league. Um, other Speedway news, and we sort of teed this up at the top of the show, one of the most popular riders in bike life history uh, in terms of Speedway, um, his career is under threat. Nicky Pedersen, um, our favourite supervillain uh, of motorcycle <laughs> racing. No, no,
2: no, no, no. Your favourite supervillain. Uh,
0: super yeah, well, if we, he might not be actually be a villain anymore because I think a lot of people are kind of pulling for him here at the moment because Nicky Pedersen, who rode in the first two rounds of this season... Um, crashed in a league meeting at Holstead uh, towards the end of May um, and suffered a broken vertebra um, ended his season uh, at the end of last year so he's, he's got a bit of a history of this uh, of injuring uh, his back um, he's got a bit of a decision to make hasn't he now Bex because uh, he's been seeing a consul- consultant in Denmark this week and he's now got to decide whether he wants to hang up his helmet and quit or keep racing and risk the possibility of injuring his left arm again and leaving himself paralysed in that arm if he damages his vertebrae again, that's a horrible position to be for a rider to be in. Stop, or risk leaving your left arm paralyzed.
2: Yeah, I mean Nicky Pedersen is a three time world champion and he's not getting any younger. He doesn't bounce as much Any sorry? He's forty. No, I said he's a three time world champion. No, no, he's champion. forty
0: years old. That's what uh,
2: Yeah. No yeah, he's not that young anymore. Yeah. He doesn't bounce. He's not the oldest in the field, but he doesn't bounce as good as the kids do anymore. No. And sometimes, and I know it's as hard, I know it's really hard to sort of admit and concede defeat, but sometimes you just need to know when to hang up the boots because your long-term health is going to be with you for, for the rest of your life. And he ain't going to be riding his speed for the rest of his life. So why put yourself in that risk and that danger to effectively ruin the rest of your life? He can come back as a as a team coach, as a, as an advisor for another rider, uh, one of the young Danes coming up for argument's sake. But if I was him, I would take a serious, long, hard look at where, what he's achieved, what he's done in his life. He's got nothing to be ashamed of. I see. Three-time world well champion. By, what, what's he got to prove people. anymore?
0: He's, 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 he's done it all. Uh, his career, and he says that himself in an interview this week. He kind of asks himself that question. This is the sort of conversation he's having to have with himself now. He says, The heart is still in the racing, and at the moment, the brain is thinking, What do I want? Have I done enough? You have to remember it's my job and my life, so there are a lot of things going on at the moment. um He's basically saying that his heart is saying, Keep racing, it's what you do, I love this, and his head's saying, Stop. Uh, and he says, He mm-hmm. and his girlfriend are going to have time to sit this week and have a think about it and come to a decision. Um, surely he's got to listen to his brain, listen to his head here, hasn't
2: he? You'd like to think so. I mean, it's a, it's such a massive thing to, to put yourself through if it all goes wrong. I mean, just look at how upset and I got when, when the news about Darcy yeah. broke. And, you know, I'd give anything to have Darcy back on track. So for you to then openly go out and put yourself in a position of, of, of risking your body becoming at a similar state to what, my beloved Darcy Ward is at the moment. Like, I don't see how that can physically enter your head. It's, it's a it's a no-brainer for me. And I know that's me sitting on the sideline as a fan and as a, as a journalist about it, but it's a lot different for the riders. They're porn racers. All they want to do is race. And all Darcy wants to do is race, and he's never going to get that opportunity again. Whereas Nicky can come back and do something else good in the sport to continue its growth over the next couple of years, he's not going to be able to do that if he comes back and injures himself again and ends up paralysed. You know, it, in in that sense, it's a no-brainer. And I know Nicky Pedersen was very vocal and very upset with the news at Darcy, and maybe he should take a look back at some of the things that he said and talked about when the news broke about Darcy. And I, I keep using him as an example because he's the biggest well-known rider. He's the crane. you know, he's the one that got away because... It's an absolute outrage that he never became world champion. He never got that chance mm. to to do what Nicky's done in his career. And that's all Darcy would have wanted to do. So to put yourself in that position and risk your body like that of becoming a very similar subject, I just don't see why he would even let it cross your mind. I really don't. Mm. But de- I'm not a racer.
0: No, it's, it's, one of the, it's all they know, isn't it? Just keep going, keep going. Yeah, but It's a big decision to be made uh, for Nicky Pedersen. Uh, and we wish him well in whatever decision uh, he makes. Um, we will pick up the news a little bit later on in the show. But uh, at the other side of this break, Andre Harrison will be joining me as we look back on the latest round of the British Superbike Championship as shaky Byrne became the king of brands. Stay with us. with us on Bike Live and let's talk BSB and we've had a panelist substitution. Um, someone would have thought we'd recorded this in two separate time slots. Um, Rebecca Shut James up. has jumped out the studio for a moment and in her place has teleported Andre Harrison. Welcome, Dre. You're making this sound way too freaking professional for our standards, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost like we've had to split them up. Uh, at no, this stage um, so uh, yeah Bex will be back a little bit later on as we look at the Suzuka 8 hour uh, but in the meantime let's talk BSP and look back on last weekend's Brands Hatch GP round uh, of the British Superbike Championship one that went entirely certainly if you look at the winners to the form book um, it's, it's not news really is it at this point Dre for shaky burn to do doubles but once again the guy proved to be the king of brands with two very very different race victories
3: only three things in life are certain: kids, death, taxes. Shaky gets the occasional double. Um, yeah, this was no exception. Really, again, two very different races. to where one of them was—dare I say it? Uh, no disrespect to Shaky—a little bit on the jammy side. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, both—you know—both convincing victories. Given where, given where Shaky was in race one to win that, from there was very impressive indeed. And in race two took the front pretty early on and didn't really look back from there. So two very different styles of victory, but uh, Shaky looking very comfortable out there and taking probably the easiest 50 points he's had, and now he's on a real roll right now in in BSB
0: again. (laughs) Yeah, he is. It was almost, I remember tweeting this on on Saturday when the heavens absolutely opened uh, ahead of qualifying. It was almost like the uh, rain gods had been told that Shaky was on his way to an easy double and thought they'd clip his wings a bit um, and dump a load of rain on Brian Satch, which left him on the second row of the grid and Josh Brooks took pole position, um, which was which was a tremendous effort from him, his first pole uh, of the year. And, yeah, as you say, a little bit on the jammy side, his victory in race one, he made life difficult for himself, it's fair to say, with his, first of all, <coughs> his qualifying position, starting sixth on the grid, and then a mistake mid-race, which dropped him to ninth. And, obviously, the safety car kind of came to his rescue, first of all, in closing the field up, and then the red flag came just at the perfect time frame once he'd hit the front. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's like the racing gods tried to stop Shaky, but at the same time, inadvertently helped him win. Yeah. It was a very, it was a very weird sort of weekend there for him. But yeah, like Shaky had gone under lap record pace all through practice and looked very, very comfortable out there. Um, until qualifying happened, not the best superpole lap out there. Put himself on the outside of the road too, and again, the, the the mistake he made in the middle of the race dropped him down to ninth. And I thought, okay. I haven't watched this race. I thought with with nine to go, I was thinking, how on earth is he going to win this from here, basically? Mm. And I was thinking, okay, if he can get back into the podium spots, and he's done well from here. And, again, the safety car did do a great job of bunching the field up, and then it opened the door for to to just to basically hammer fist his way to the front of the grid. And then, if that race gets stopped 20 seconds earlier, Dan Linford gets his first ever BSP Series win. So, of course, the racing gods decide to screw him over again Um, for the second consecutive season it's like Dan Linford can't buy a win basically we had our Formula 1 Brazil 2003 moment only this time it was Giancarlo not Giancarlo Academy. it was was Shaky Byrne that got the benefit of when the red flag dropped Um, but yeah again Shaky uh, getting a little bit of the luck on this one but hey Sometimes when, you, when you're in a champion position something like that, sometimes you get a little bit of luck and that's what shaky got on this one. <laughs> yeah, they did.
0: I mean, it's, it's funny the way it works in BSP because they, they obviously don't have any kind of flag-to-flag rules. It's a one-white championship. They don't have any kind of world Superbike rules of coming in and changing tires. Um, if it rains midway through a dry race, they put a red flag out. Um, but, but what I found interesting was that there were there were there were the white flags with the red cross, which indicates raindrops are falling. We we saw them right from the start of the race. There was drizzle yeah. through right through the race. If I was Dan Limfoot with three or four to go, and I'm leading the race, I'm putting my arm up because because we saw him do it. We saw him and Shaky do it, and then the red flags came out because. They were basically saying, "Hey, this is getting too heavy. If I'm down limbo, I'm putting my arm up with a couple of laps to go before the red flag." Because I basically to say to race direction, "Could you please stop
3: this?" Because <laughs> yeah, I'm... it's like if if you're in the lead, surely you'd want to like try and manipulate it a little bit. hey, like, listen, if somebody raised their hands and somebody else agrees, the race is getting stopped. Yeah. Like it's 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 old school MotoGP rules basically. Where if, basically, if two or three guys get their hands up and say, yeah, "This is too hard," yeah, red flag comes out and. Of course, because it's past three-quarter race distance, race over at that point in time. So... Yeah, like if Limford puts his hand up at the end at the start of lap 16, the race is done basically. And he, and he's got and he's a winner essentially. So if anything, Dan might have been a bit too honest. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we we we're, 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 sim- we're
3: being really cynical here, but it, yeah, it, no. it, it
0: would have earned him a win. And um, as we were talking about off air, it, it, it's the second time now in 12 months that he's lost a race victory what would have been his first win on the final lap of a race because he was overtaken going into um just going off the the Indy circuit onto the Grand Prix circuit. Um, he was overtaken there on what ended up being the final lap because the red flag came out at the end of that lap. And then he's, he's classified second. And of course, a year ago at Thruxton at the very, sorry, at Snetterton at the very final corner, he is basically mugged by his teammate Jason O'Halloran on the final lap to lose a victory. Just whatever mm. this guy does, he cannot buy a win uh, at the moment in British Superbikes, despite so many uh, near misses. Um, and, Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Brazil 2003. If Formula One rules had been applied, he would have won it because they would have gone back a lap. Um, But as it is, they literally stopped the race and literally the last lap that was completed is the result rather than the lap before that. So as a result, Limfoot went from first to second. Shaky Byrne took a win. um, And Leon Haslam was given a podium. There were other overtakes that happened. Josh Brooks overtook James Ellison into clearways on what ended up being the final lap, took fifth position, and was, yeah. was given fifth as a result of it. Those, those overtakes proved to be so, so crucial uh, in the end. Um, Shaky's second win, then, as we say, was much more straightforward. He didn't have to come from ninth at half distance to win this one. Um, but as easy as it looked, Dre, I guess we're never going to know quite how easy it would have been, because, of course, Josh Brooks was right on his tail mm.
3: and ended yeah. up crashing, trying to keep up exactly it turned into it basically turned into a shootout a time attack so to speak between Jakey Byrne and josh brooks and that was the fastest i've seen a yamaha all season long brooks was scintillating like he was he was, he, he broke he broke the lap record he was the first man ever to do a 124 lap of brands in race conditions it's the first time <laughs> brooks has looked like winning a race all year pretty much like i don't i can't remember a time where like that deep into a race brooks has had a real shot at the win there and maybe that was part of the problem. Maybe he had gone a little bit too hard on that one. And again, just he he, he ended up dropping it. And that was a real shame because I thought we were on for a real dogfight between Brooks and shaky. Like we had a couple of years ago, but, um, Yamaha will, will still probably take that as a good step forward in the grand scheme of things. But on the whole, of course it's going to be gutting. I mean, I think Josh Brooks was very honest about it on Twitter where he said, basically "I effed up you guys. (laughs) Yes. Uh, he openly admitted he should have taken the second place and should have taken the 20 points and the podium credits well, that came over second place but he reckoned because he saw shaky making mistakes from the front um he reckoned i'm gonna go for it here and he went for it just a little bit too hard and paid the price <laughs> mm, he did and shaky
0: bone going on to take the victory and how ominous is this um for the rest of the field because this is beginning to look ominously reminiscent of 12 months ago where shaky Burm really came on strong mid-season and dominated from there I mean the guy effectively gave up the first three races of the season and he's still now in a pretty comfortable championship lead he's 39 ahead of Luke Mossy um, and in terms of podium points he's 10 clear of Leon Haslam um, which is a pretty handy lead to take into what will become a seven race championship uh, at the end of the year and he's still got by his own admission his strongest and Ducati's strongest circuit of Thruxton. Next up,
3: oh yeah, there's a real chance of you leaving Thruxton having won six in a row and having at least a a sixteen point, or sorry, at least a fourteen point showdown championship lead um, if if everything goes to plan for Kawasaki. Still, but. Yeah, this is this is looking ominous, like shaky again, had a, had a bad start, obviously had the concussion, you know, made mistakes on the indie circuit. But yeah, is now one five out of the last seven. And again, the last four on the bounce and it's looking ominous. He's, he's looking like his usual, almost unbeatable self right now. And yeah, like to flip the coin the other way for a second, Kawasaki's now gone seven races without a win, at least the speed fit team, the the main factory outfit has now gone seven races in a row without a victory and given that they had the much hyped team of mossy and haslam going in um that's going to be alarm bells ringing because this was not a good weekend for kawasaki at all
0: no uh, and shaky shaky's 40 as well we, we cannot keep stressing this uh-huh. enough. he's 40 and he looks as good as he's ever looked on a bike um you know the guy is incredible um yeah, let's talk Kawasaki, because as you mentioned, they've gone seven race races without a win now. J.G. Speep at Kawasaki with Brooke, uh, with Mossy and Haslam uh, in their team. As you mentioned, Jake Dixon did win two races in that period. So Kawasaki still have uh, a good bike um, on in the right conditions. Oh. Um, but that this team, uh, and of course those two races were two races that Haslam missed due to a concussion. So who knows where he would have been. But the team hasn't looked like winning in that period have they it's not like they've been chasing burn over the line in those seven races they've been scrambling around for top six finishes
3: yeah it's weird i mean the last Kawasaki win looking at it now was race one at Alton Park um that's how long ago that was back in that was back in May was the last time um yeah um, May May the 1st uh, May the 1st well, that was so basically we are coming up towards three months since the last Kawasaki victory in the regular season, um, at least from the factory guys. Also, we're not going to take into account Jake Dixon's double victory at Knockhill um into that. But obviously you're expecting your main threat to come from the factory back team. And yeah, as you say, it's like it's not even the fact that they've had like podium finishes. It's the fact that, that this team looks out of whack all of a sudden they've only had one podium or two podiums between them in the last three race weekends that's 12 chances to get on the podium and they've only had two out of the last 12 they've converted so obviously you've got to take two away for haslam's injury at Knockhill, which he didn't take any part in and of course mossy's broken bike at race one in snetterton but that was rider inflicted the second one so yeah but the speed fighting is needs to sit back and regroup because at the moment it's, it reminds me a lot of last season where in the middle, like Haslam was struggling to adapt to the tyre situation at Kawasaki and they had a bad run of form there. It seems to be happening again here where the main team is struggling while shaky burn is, as, as he did last year, starting to find his feet and now look at him go.
0: And What's the real problem for, for this team? If this current form guide continues for the remainder of the season, I mean, there's no guarantee it will, of course, um, but of the showdown rounds that we have to come, Two of them are at circuits we've already visited this year. Alton Park is the first round of the showdown now, rather than the first round before the showdown. Uh, that's mm-hmm. Silverstone. Um, and Alton Park earlier in the year was where Shaky Burn's winning run started. He won race two at Alton Park. That's the famous race where Haslam had that huge crash with Ellison when his bike yep. broke down. But Shaky was winning that anyway. Um, and the other one, the final round, the triple header, is Hatch GP, where we've just raced on. And Shaky Burn dominated this round. The Kawasakis were. At best, the third fastest bike out there behind the Ducati and the Yamaha. And this is the circuit where at the final round of the season, there are going to be 75 points to race for.
3: It's not looking good. This is ominous. And um, Speedfit need to get their crap together right now. Because, as you said, there's not really a round on paper where I say, oh, yeah, Kawasaki would have comfortable here. They're on the back foot now. Yeah. And Shakey's now already, on the last four. We fall. already
0: know now that two of the three showdown rounds are going to really suit that Ducati.
3: Yeah, and they, again, races where Shaky has won comfortably at earlier in this season. So, yeah, it, like again, like Alton Park is going to be a bit more of a level playing field because again, Haslam and Shaky split wins that weekend. But and yeah, the
0: other showdown round two,
3: and, and again, they, they were very evenly matched round Aston as well. Like this, like f- the problem is Brands Hatch is a free race weekend, and that is and if Shaky's won comfortably here last time round then that could be bad news for Haslam whatever happens going into the final showdown round because, yeah, as it stands right now, Shaky has just become landslide championship favourite.
0: And as I mentioned a moment ago, what's complicating it for Kawasaki is the rapid improvement that we're seeing from the Yamahas. James Ellison's always had the pace this season, but he's now actually starting to convert it into results. Whether it's too late to get him in the showdown, we'll discuss in a moment. Um, but Josh Brooks and the Anvil higher Tag Yamaha team are really improving. And as you mentioned, this was the first time all season that Brooks has looked like winning a race uh, in this British Superbike like season. That. And if this rate of progression continues through the season, he might just be in the mix with shaky come showdown
3: time. He's got a few podium credits, and that definitely helps as well. He's, yeah, he's twenty-one behind Shaky if the playoffs started tomorrow, but he's now in a fairly comfortable showdown spot now in fifth place overall on one hundred and twenty-nine points. He's um, got he's got a, a nineteen-point cushion over the drop zone at, at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, he'll be looking as a, a badly missed opportunity in race two to really cement a, a spot in the showdown as, as like the, the number four-ranked guy in there. But you've got to take them where you can get him, and, and that was the best Brooks has looked all season. So again, it could be a similar case to two years ago where Yamaha may have found something in the second half of the year and if Brooks can capitalise on that, maybe he can take that tag Yamaha to places it doesn't normally figure again. Mm, yeah, Shaky Bird speaking
0: after this weekend uh, to MCN. Um, speaking about Josh Brooks, he said, of course Josh is a contender and I expect nothing less. Um, he also gave brooks a lot of respect saying that you know some of the battles they've had we remember their battles from two years ago when brooks won the title um shaky saying that there's a lot of mutual respect between them he says even a pissed off josh brooks isn't a dirty josh brooks um right. he says we've had some really good battles and i enjoy racing the guy he also says i'm not quite sure how they've made the step they've made um, from the start of the season to now. But I saw that Josh's 2015 title attack started with a double here at Brands and thought, oh, flipping hell, we could do without someone else in the mix, um, <laughs> which is which is probably what shaky's got now um, with with Josh Brooks. Um, in terms of the other showdown sports, it's looking certain at the moment that the top three are safe, Byrne, Mossy and Haslett, even though Mossy's kind of plateaued a bit. Um, In recent rounds, they've probably got enough points on the board already to be certain of it. We mentioned a few rounds ago that around 170-ish usually gets you in. uh, And Mossy's already on 161 uh, with Haslam on 158. So with seven races still to go, they're going to get in. Um, Brooks is still on 129, but he's showing form that should get him in, which then leaves us two spots to go. Um, And although he didn't really trouble the top three this time, Jason Halloran just continues to chip away at it. Two seventh places, which means he comes away from the race weekend with 18 points. Um, and that's the kind of form that if he just maintains that, he's looking pretty good with seven races to go to consolidate a top six spot. He's got 23 points of a cushion already, Dre.
3: Yes, he's looking good. That wasn't the best weekend from Halloran, but again, 18 solid points is not bad. That's about the pace he needs to get over the line for sure. Um, again, he scored more points than Brooks did. I mean, Eden had a good weekend, getting those two fourth places. Um, and actually, in the end, Eden had a good weekend with twenty four. Hickman had twenty six. Hickman had a great weekend as well. So like, he's a little bit unfortunate because again, the guys behind him did have slightly better weekends. But he's got enough points in hand, or I don't think it'll be a problem unless. Someone has another Jake Dixon at knockhill Hill-esque weekend where they're really up the front. Um, but as it stands, O'Halloran's in good shape. Mm, he is in good shape. Brooks is
0: fifth in the points, four points behind uh, O'Halloran. That's seventh for O'Halloran, putting back ahead of Brooks into fourth in the championship uh, after race two at Brands. Um, the final showdown spot at the moment is held by a rider who does not have a single podium point to his name all season. Um, and I've mentioned this on previous shows about there's so often on this, since the showdown format comes in, there always tends to be one rider through pure consistency of point scoring gets into the showdown, even though he hasn't had any podium finishes all year. And at the moment, Trey, Peter Hickman looks like he might be that guy.
3: Yeah, Hickman, again, nothing sums up his season better than two fourth places like that he got in brands this weekend. But you're yeah, absolutely right, he has not had a podium. like Out of the entire top 11 in the championship, we've all had at least three podium credits earned this season. Hickman is smack dab in the middle of that top 11 with none. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny how that turns up. but again, he is, a, he, is a, he is a point stuffer. He is the sort of guy that... You know, he's going to leave a weekend every single time with about 20 points.
1: Great.
0: I mean, he's,
3: he's finished every single race this season in the top nine. Every single ex- one. Yeah. Excellent consistency. Excellent consistency. <laughs> he has not made any mistakes at all. Again, look at the weekends and point scores each weekend. 21, 16, 20, 17, 19, 26. That was his best weekend of the season so far. And again, Hickman is, is, is getting over the line right now. Purely through consistency, not making any mistakes, and getting the best out of that bike when available, and it's it, it, it's coming it's coming good for Hickman. He's gonna have to be a little bit careful, I think, of Christian Eden um, coming up behind him because Going to Iden, with the BMs for that final spot, yeah, because Eden's had Iden, had the high side, but also he's missed those two weekends through injury. But Eden uh, has been right around the podium spots, and that's been Hickman's problem: is that he's not been consistently in the top six, as opposed to the top nine. But right now, if Hickman can hold on to that, he's got half a chance at the showdown spot. I don't want him in the chase for the pay Get that man in there. Yeah, <sighs> yeah he, he won. I was, he, he was in the race. for? I
0: think he won it, didn't he, last year, Peter Hickman, because he was the third of the three um, Gigi's yes, beef bit Kawasaki's. Um, how much of a battle is he going to face, though, from Christian Yiddin? Because... Even though Iden is 7th at the moment, I think he's got to take great encouragement from that as an injury because I remember last year, of course, he started the season so well, led the championship early on and then tailed off dramatically. Um, but Christian Iden's had two rounds off due to that pretty gruesome injury that he suffered. And in terms of his position and his form and his pace, he's basically slotted right back in where he was before he got injured.
3: Exactly. And again, Iden, again, third place finish in race two. Um yeah his pace is, is 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 exceptional on that BMW again like he's he's been a, he's been around top 5 all season long and it's a, it's such a shame because I think I think he'd be right up there with the Kawasakis if it, if he didn't miss those two rounds at, at, in, in uh, not killing Snetterton. You think he'd be, a clear, he'd be pe- a clear fourth wouldn't he right now? At least and I, I think he'd be up there with the Kawasakis he's been super consistent all season long. I mean if you take the two weekends out of out of, out of the picture again, it, it's, it's seconds, thirds and fourth so far this season for the most part. So, Eden has been right up there in the main event, in the thick of it right now, all season long. He's still making up for lost time, but the way he's going, he will get in. Yeah, he's looking good.
0: I mean, we're talking about a lot of riders here who might well get into the spots. We're probably talking about more riders than there are spots uh, at the moment. Um, because we've talked about the top seven uh, in the championship. Jake Dixon is eighth, and unfortunately for him... Couldn't quite back up what he did in the two rounds prior, where he took a 50-point maximum, of course, at Knockhill, then followed that up with a 23-point haul um, in the following round at Snetterton. Only 11 points to his name, this time with a 10th and an 11th um, to show for Brandtouch GP. Um, the two riders just behind, though, are coming up on the rails. We've mentioned Limfoot, um who narrowly missed out on, on a first win and then, unfortunately, crashed in race two. So we wouldn't ever see um, what he could have done in race two with the pace he had. Um, but James Ellison remains the interesting name to keep an eye on here doesn't he Dre because we've mentioned him before about the kind of rate of point scoring he needs to get himself in he probably needed to go at around 13 points a race to get in and so far one round into that chase he's on target 30 points from his two rides at Brands
3: yeah he, he scored more points than anybody this weekend not named shaky burn that was as good a job as he as Ellison could have really hoped for on that one a fantastic second place in race two best of the race, proving that Yamaha really does have pace. Um, if you can put it together and we know Edison's fast, he's, he's always been this sort of dude where he's in the mix for wins, regardless of bike. And because the guy's ability is top notch, but again, he's been robbed by a combination of city mistakes and, and team inefficiency. Um, but this was exactly the weekend that Edison needed. I mean, the funny thing is this is the first weekend he's finished both races and since the opening round at Donington, um, mm-hmm. So then that's probably what's held him back all this time, was that just the lack of consistency. Yeah, when Ellison's um, finished this year, he's got a lowest finish of sixth. Exactly. And that, and if you're doing that, you will get in, obviously. You know, math, math, math is your friend here. But um, again, it's just so many DNFs, the team errors, the rider mistakes, you name it. It's, he's had it this season, Edison, But... Again, this was his best weekend of the season so far. It's a good positive to take away from him. Now he just needs to stay on the bike, hope it stays reliable, and if he does that, he's got he's got half a shot of getting it in. He, he's again he is above pace for where he needs to be to get back into the top six by the end of Silverstone. Just got to wait and see if that holds up. Yeah, he's got seven more races to try and close down that
0: lead, which was around ago was up over fifty points to get to that top six. It's now down to thirty eight. Um, so it might just happen. You know, if he takes 13 points around off them, he is literally going to be right there um, by the end um, of Silverstone, which is, as Dre mentioned, is the final round before the showdown is cut off um, on the 8th to the 10th uh, of September. Uh, championship standings then. Shaky Byrne leads it by 29 now, which is incredible given that he didn't score in three of the first four races uh, this season. 39, uh, 29 clear of uh, Mossy in second. Haslam in third, two points between the two J.D. Speedfit Kawasaki's, but both looking good for a showdown spot. Jason O'Halloran is fourth now on 133, four ahead of Brooks in fifth. Peter Hickman is sixth on 119. Um, He has a nine-point cushion over Christian Iden, who is the first rider outside of the showdown spot. Uh, Jake Dixon is a further 10 points back in eighth. Then another 19 back to Ellison in ninth, although he is probably the four-man outside of that top six. And Dan Linfoot completes the top ten. He is a point behind James Ellison, even if this is his regular form uh, that he showed at Brands. It's probably come a little bit too late for him to get in to the top six. Um, one rider, unfortunately, we haven't mentioned um, at any stage, unfortunately, really this year, Drake, with regards to top six or showdown potential. And we mentioned in pre-season, because we thought he'd be up there, Sylvan Gitoli, who... Of course, as a former world champion. <laughs> came into this championship um, with a lot of excitement, justifiably so, um, on a new Suzuki, um, and this dream partnership. Unfortunately, it looks like it might come to an end
3: before this season's even out. It's looking that way. I mean, there's there's no way of, of making this look pretty. Like Ginters has struggled, and he, it's 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 he's had a dog's dinner in his season so I mean, Suzuki, there is. There is obviously more to come out of their first year back with a brand new bike. It's going to be tricky. There's going to be teething problems. But it looks like this weekend when you combine Ginter's double DNF with Bradley Ray's best weekend um, in BSB on the on the same Suzuki. Yeah, again, Bradley Ray's in, a rookie. Yeah, a rookie in the top eight on the same machinery. Yeah, Suzuki's got a bit of a right to be a bit miffed at Ginters on this one because obviously they're expecting more out of a former world champion um who is you know having the team built around him and it's just it's just not worked for Ginters at all this season. Um he was the spearheaded he was a spearheading guy of the development. I know he's had time away as well because of Moto, as a, a Moto GP, so he's not been totally all in on BSP this season. And that's
0: what confuses me though, because he yeah. we well, went to MotoGP GP and he kept Andrea and honest, so it's not like the guy's lost it.
3: No, it might it might just be the bike itself. I don't. I, again, like I said, he was keeping up with Ianoni. He was a top-class MotoGP rider, and Suzuki. That seems to be about par for them this season. with, with the, the performances that Ginters had, uh, in in relation to where he was finishing, it seemed about right from where I'm sitting. I don't think there was anything there to suggest that Ginters was super raw or anything like that. So I'm leaning towards it more being a case of the bike not being quite there. I mean, yeah, Bradley Ray is a point above him in the championship right now. On the same um, Suzuki as him, Taylor McKenzie's really struggled down there, just 21 points to his name so far this season. But on the whole, it's not been great for the Suzuki Factory outfit so far in both both major formats, if we're being honest with each other here. And yeah, I, I I, I don't want to defend Ginter's too much here. But I also think that this bike is not as good as what Suzuki thought it was.
0: <laughs> no, and it's interesting because we, we said this right at the start of the year, and we said it as soon as this deal was announced, that a lot of World Championship teams were probably going to be looking very closely at this Suzuki, um, because it you know there are teams in World two bikes like Altea, um, who will be very keen on getting their hands on some factory equipment if they can, but this isn't really much of an advert for any team in World Superbikes to say to Suzuki call up and say do you know what I want one of those brand new GSX Superbikes
3: not right now not right now no. and this is this is not a good advertisement in the shop window the way this is going at the moment yeah and there's 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 no way of looking about it. Like, no customer is going to be wanting to pick this bike up unless it's at a severely discounted rate. No, no. There seems to be
0: a lot of development he's doing, it seems, uh, with this bike. And, and that's the thing. It is Sylvain I mean, Gatoli totally ultimately going to be the rider to, to spearhead that development? I mean, with Bradley Ray, he's... I mean, I think everyone in, in British Superbikes knows how good Bradley Ray is or that's is going good. to be. He's a... Della talent um who's, who's going to go a long way in his career um with some of his performances in recent years on relatively um modest equipment let's be honest um he's done a great job um and i suppose he's he's coming in there with no preconceptions of what it's going to be like he's got no previous experience so he's basically just getting the bike he's given and just wringing its neck um and seeing where it takes him whereas someone and Tully's probably walking in there with a preconception of what he was expecting that bike to be like. And it's obviously falling way short of his expectations, and he's struggling as a result. Um, so perhaps that's where it comes from, where Bradley Ray is doing such a better job at the moment um, than Gintoli. They are in slightly different teams as well. Um, Bradley Ray is in the Build based team, um, whereas Sloven Gintoli is in the Bennett's team. Um, run back Stuart Hicken, and Hicken was pretty... Well, he was scathing without actually coming out and calling Sylvan out by name um, at the weekend. He basically came out and said, "Um, I'm not going to lie, we haven't really had the results we've been expecting. It's not good. We'll have a chat in the week and see where we can go forward. Um, Which sounds kind of ominous, doesn't it, Dre? That kind of sounds like we need to really evaluate whether this partnership's working.
3: Yeah, that's the sit down and difficult conversation sort of conversation (laughs) now. It's like it's the we need to talk situation basically. Yeah, there's no there's no going about. I mean, like if Suzuki don't think Ginters is the guy, it's best to get him out of there now and salvage what you can get out of this season and go from there. Um, Yeah, I completely agree that you know a, a a good sit down probably has to happen at some point now um because this like i don't think having having both all three suzuki's in the bottom half of the championship was probably not what they were hoping for at all um and yeah like it's it's been disappointing for everybody except bradley really who again had no expectations going in as a rookie but the main team of Ginters and and uh, taylor mckenzie have not been particularly strong this season and yeah the, the work needs to be done
0: yeah and well, it kind of makes me think that there's a, there's a team that gets Gattoli used to race for in World Superbikes so who've got a ride of vacancy at the moment in Red Bull Honda. Uh, I wonder whether they might... If, if Sylvan suddenly cuts his losses and gets out of that team, whether he suddenly might receive a phone call from uh, from Ted Karte um, very, very soon. Yeah. Um, they could go an awful lot worse. Um, when... Uh, rebecca james rejoins me in just a few moments we are going to go over the news because we've had a former world superbike rider who's actually been testing with red bull honda team in germany this week we will talk all about that at the other side of this break Back to the news then And we're going to pick it up uh, In Portugal Because the FIM CEV Repsol Continued The uh, Moto3 Junior World Championship And the Moto2 European Championships As well as the European Talent Cup um, Took place uh, At Estoril This week And uh, the Moto3 Junior World Championship Raced just once Uh, In Estoril, they had a double the previous round in Valencia. Both races there were won by the Italian Dennis Foggia for the VR46 Academy, and he continued his run. Three consecutive victories for him, uh, considering he hadn't won a single race in CTV before Valencia. This is quite the run for him. Three straight victories for Foggia, um, and he now leads the championship by a full 50 points um, from his nearest rival, Jeremy Alcoba, for the Estrada Galicia junior team. Alcoba failing to score uh, in Portugal, which has seen him fall a long way off the championship pace. Um, Sergio Garcia, who's now third in the championship, he also had a disappointing round. He was only eighth, so uh, championship chances for the Australia team taking a bit of a nosedive at the weekend. Foggia, the winner then at Estiril, uh, from two of the Japanese riders for the Asia Talent team. Kazuki Masaki taking second place um, and Ai Ogura in third, uh, second and third mm. for them. Quite the round for them. The Asia Talent Cup, by the way, continues. Uh, this weekend where both of those riders uh, will be in action. The Spaniard Jean Masia for the Cunha de Campeones KTM team uh, was in fourth. Uh, ahead of Aaron Palanco for the Leopard Junior team uh, who took fifth. Uh, championship standings as I mentioned. Foggia leads it by 50 from Alcoba. Garcia is a further six points behind in third. Masia is up to fourth now. He has leapfrogged Alonso Lopez. Uh, another Australia Galicia rider to have a shock at the weekend. He didn't score Either the Moto 2 class, the European Championship, they did race twice uh, in Estoril, and Eric Granado, the Brazilian, won them both. Uh, he now leads the championship by 30, uh, by 25 points from Ricky Cardus, reigning champion Stephen Odendahl, who rides on an NTS this year. He finished second in the second race, having finished third in the first. Uh, he is 39 points off the championship lead with four races to go, so it's looking unlikely that he's going to retain his title. Uh, the European Talent Cup, which is in its uh, embryonic phase, it's his very first season. Manuel Gonzalez, the Spaniard father, how courier racing team, uh, leads it. These are all uh, teams that race Honda Bikes to one mate championship this European Tank Cup. Uh, Gonzalez leads the championship by virtue of his first win of the season uh, at Estoril. That came in the second race to go with his second in the first race. He's 21 points clear of the Dane, Simon Jespersen. Uh, now, World Superbike news, and Davide Giuliano, uh, of course, left the World Superbike Championship last season to try his hand at British Superbike, that didn't last very long, as you all know. He injured himself at the second round at Brands Hatch on the Indy Circuit and hasn't been seen since. Until this week, uh, when Bex, he was seen testing for the Red Bull Honda team uh, at the Lausitz Ring. Lausitz Ring is the uh, venue for the next round of the championship in Germany um, in August, so around about four weeks from now. Uh, Honda need a regular teammate for Stephen Bradle um, after the tragic loss of Nicky Hayden earlier this year. David Giuliano, um, we also have to discount his car crash of a British superbike run because it only lasted a round and a half. Um, but based on his world superbike pedigree, would he be a good fit for Honda?
2: I think he would. He knows the game. He knows what the world superbike paddock's all about. Um, it's a difficult one. Um because it's no. going to be a very difficult seat mm. to fill, um, and I would not like to be the rider that has to sit, uh, no. has has to fill that seat. I I can't think of a better rider to do it than David know Probably the only other rider that I think would be fitting for it yeah, would. No, there's there's two, I think there's be two ways. Josh there's Brooks. two ways of looking at this. I
0: think isn't there? But, there's, there's one that you're right. It's 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 a very tough act to follow. You're basically riding riding Nikki Hayden's bike. Um, Which is which is immense pressure, but at the same time, this is a team that has had a a miserable season on and off the track. The bike hasn't worked so far this season, and in that sense, he hasn't really got an awful lot to lose.
2: No, and he's a good tester, Mm. and he can help bring the bike along. So, let's face it: this is a
0: guy who kind of needs to rebuild his reputation in World Superbikes, doesn't he?
2: Don't let Dre hear you say that, Jesus (laughs) Christ! You'll have your microphone down your throat before you know it. Um. Yeah he does need to rebuild it and if he gets given the opportunity to come back if he's fit enough to come back on the world stage then my advice to him would be to go for it but in terms of a selfish point of view I kind of feel like it's just a little bit too soon. Mm, but maybe
0: it, that's just it, me yeah i mean it, it's a tricky one i mean i, I guess they had to i think they're, they're kind of bound by the regulations now it's, they, they put uh the american jake Gagne on the bike Seca, um, and I, I think they're kind of bound by regulation i think once you i mean when a rider is quote unquote injured um you have to i think replace them within two rounds you only got to go two rounds without a replacement on that bike and um, there is no greater injury than, than losing your life entirely, um, which is what happened sadly to Nicky Hayden um, in his in his cycling accident uh, a month or two back. I, I think purely through the regulations, they've got to put someone on that bike, uh, and I think that's kind of where they're at now. They've got to they've got to find somebody, and Giuliano has World Superbike experience on a Ducati. Granted, but he has experience, and it's a chance for him, as I say, not only to re- rebuild his reputation but to try and put himself on a on a competitive bike next year, because it looks like. Um, British superbike teams aren't really going to look too closely at him, given how badly it went with him at Tyco this year. So perhaps his best route back in is with the World Championship and the Red Bull Honda team. So we'll see how that goes. He tested with them this week. Um, he wasn't the only one. Um, a, an Italian, a fellow Italian, um, who's been riding in C- CIV, the Italian Superbike Championship this year, uh, was testing alongside him. Um, but Giuliano, unlike him, has World Superbike experience. So you may well see him on the bike at it Lausitzring. Ring. Um, when the World Superbike Championship returns there in August. Um, One other piece of news before we look ahead to this weekend and the Suzuki 8-hour, which is one of the highlights of the motorcycle racing calendar. Um, One of the riders who certainly produces highlight quotes year in, year out. Um, We're not going to see the best of Guy Martin anymore, unfortunately, Bex. Guy Martin announcing this week in a feature interview with MCN that it's all over. His road racing career is over. He has quit. And Whatever you think of Guy Martin, he's a he's an outspoken so and so. He's um, a character, um, and uh, probably as as big and as bold and as brash and as entertaining a character as there is in motorcycle racing. Period. Um, this is this is a, again. I think a sad moment. This for motorcycle racing that we're not going to see Guy Martin race competitively anymore.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, it's. It... All i look forward to is the book that explains why he came yeah. to this decision because he is cracking and writing books. I mean he's, um, you there's literally say, not been one book you'd that to I have say, not read in the whole racing, way
0: through. In motorcycle racing in this country would you probably say um, Valentina Rossi without question is a bigger a bigger name and a bigger character but there can be many others who've got the same level of public um sort of fame if you like as guy Martin has.
2: Oh, God, no. And when you consider he's a truck mechanic by yeah. trade, he's not done TV pretty bad star. for himself in, in gaining the, the love and the, the passion from all the fans. Um, Trackside, he's a fantastic guy. He, he's one of them that I just want to go for a point down the pub with because I think yeah. he'd have me in stitches all night. Like he's He seems a genuinely nice, funny guy. He's got a cracking sense of humour. He just he's so open up front he just don't care what he says who he says it to and in what tone of voice and that's what kind of makes him who he is and that's what makes a lot of people dislike him but that's also what makes a lot of people love him and I am definitely one of the lovers it's going to be a crying crying shame without Guy Martin and I'm sure he's got his reasons as to why he's hung his helmet up but it ain't going to be the same without him so Mm. all we can say is best wishes for the future and yeah like I say Look forward to the book. Yeah, cause. it's absolutely. To
0: be, to be fair to him, I think he, his reasons were just as pure as simple, the fact that he just doesn't want to do it anymore. I think he he, he came back, of course, for this year to try and finally get himself a TT win. And um, bless him, even the TT Zero didn't work out for him. He didn't get that one either, which Benny thought was uh, going to be his best bet. Um, he was due to take part in the Ulster GP, which is one of the uh, highlights, again, of the road racing calendar. It's one of the uh, late summer rounds. Um, in Northern Ireland. Um, He said that going back to the Ulster GP would only be to do right by the team. In other words, only to fulfill his obligations contractually. Um, And he said, that's not the right reason. I know I didn't, or I don't want to go back. He says, racing's been good to me, but I'm bored of it. You spend the early part of the year preparing for the season, testing racing, talking about it, and then doing it all again. It's like Groundhog Day. It's time to stop. Um, I love racing, but have I grown out of it? It's been an amazing time, but there are lots of other things in my life. Um, he basically, by the sounds of that, has other things he wants to do with his life, and, and there are a lot of things he wants to do with his life. He he, he says um, later this year that he's still going to race in, in classic meetings. He says he's not done. I says I'm. I still like riding. I'll put my energy into my classic racing, and I'm going back to Pike's Peak with a car I'm building. Um, that's not the kind of thing that you just that, that any old motorcycle racer says. Again, just to go back to what Buck says, he's he's got many a talent outside of motorcycle racing as well, um, and. To be fair to him, again, he, he's, he's a straight shooter um, because he's been criticised over the years, partly because he hasn't won a TT race, but then they're pretty hard races to win, let's face it, um, in, in motorcycle racing. Um, he says, I know the truth. People say you've lost it. I couldn't give a fuck. Um, he says, <clears throat> The tour oh, okay. divide changed me. Spending all that time by myself, just riding and riding, gave me time to think. And I just thought I should have packed in racing five years ago. Um, like I say, this is just a rider who's just decided enough's enough, and nothing's going to change his mind on it.
2: No, and as much as I sit here and wind and wine and hope that he does change his mind, I'm pretty. Uh, it, it, he's made his decision. He's kind of he's made his bed. He's going to lie in it now. Um, it ain't going to be the last we see of Guy Martin, because as you say, he's a TV personality. He sets board records like the going Out of Fashion. Channel Four seem to love him doing documentaries and whatnot. Um, so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a bright future for him. Yeah,
0: I think whatever he does, it's we're, we're gonna be entertained by whatever he does in the future because he's he just entertains in everything he does. And one comment in closing from Guy Martin in terms of his career. Um, he says, I've achieved a lot. I can't believe that I've had 17 TT podiums and I've won loads of Ulster GPs and four Southern 100s, three of them consecutively. Only Joey, Joey Dunlop, uh, has done that. I don't know the exact figures because they're not important to me. I haven't cured cancer, have I? <laughs> Which is brilliant. I mean, that's kind of just tells you how he sees motorcycle racing as, something he enjoyed doing, but it's not everything. Uh, it's a guy, Martin, and he's decided he's had enough of it and we wish him very, very well. Uh, in the future. Um, right then, before we go on, on this week's edition of Bike Live, let's look ahead to this weekend because um, there's a lot of excitement in this particular uh, show and this camp of what's coming this weekend. No MotoGP, no World Superbikes, uh, no British Superbikes, but one of the races of the motorcycle racing calendar <clears> takes <throat> place in Japan this weekend. Bex, I think we're all unanimous here on Bike Live that we love <laughs> the Suzuka 8 Hour.
2: Oh, I'm so excited. I can barely sleep at night. Uh, which is a good job, really, because I'm at work for most of the weekend, so it looks like a few sleepless nights to catch mm. up on what the bloody hell's going on. But I am so... so uh, obvious reasons, I'm really excited for for the Suzuka Great right over this, uh, this weekend. And we all know which way this conversation is going to go, yep. so I'm just going to leave it there.
1: Yep. Yeah,
0: for those that uh, aren't quite sure about those obvious reasons, um, let's, uh, let's get into the teams and riders that are involved. Um, we'll cover the main factories, um, because... The Japanese factories in particular, Bex, um, will always throw mm. the kitchen sink at this um, because they Literally. are all desperate to win it. Um, the kitchen sink has proven quite in handy for Yauhaha in the last two years because they've won it. Uh, two years running, yeah. um, on the number 21. Two years ago, they won it with, uh, well, Katsuki Nakasuga's been the ever-present for them, their test rider, um, but he was joined in 2015 by Bradley Smith and Paul um as they went to victory. Last year, Paul Espargaro and Alex Lowe's um, joined Nakasuga. Yeah,
1: um,
0: and if those obvious reasons aren't clear, they are now for why Bex can't <laughs> wait for this weekend because um, Yamaha are going for three in a row uh, and Alex Lowe's, Bex, he's going for two in a row.
2: Oh, I know, I know. If <clears throat> And they were quickest in practice today too. If by any stretch of the imagination, Alex Lewis can get his second consecutive Suzuka 8-hour, I will eat my hat, probably cry a lot. And if you thought Cardiff partying was bad, just oh, wait till you God. see the aftermath of that.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you you didn't get the catch that Twitter handle earlier on, at at Beck underscore J93, you might want to follow it around 11.30am Sunday morning if the 21 Yamaha wins it um, uh, in Japan. Um, But there's a bit of pressure, I guess, on this team. They're the team that everyone's trying to beat. And even though they've not got Paula Spargo in their camp anymore, they've replaced him with not too shabby a ride either in Michael Vandermark. So Nakasuga, the test rider, is basically... Joined by Yamaha's factory World Superbike duo uh, in the team, so they've got every base covered.
2: Oh yeah, I can think of worse guys to be to, to have to team up with. Um, you know, both Alex and Marco van der Mark. Yes, first name basis. Um, <laughs> know exactly what they're doing, and I think it'll be a great feat for, for Marco van der Mark to to come into the World Superbike uh, to come into the Suzuka eight But But um, mm. I, I physically, and I'm not just being, okay, I'm, I'm being a little bit biased, but I'm not being fully biased when I say that I think they've got such a great making. and it, It's a pretty young team. Yeah, two
0: thirds of the year, anyway, yeah.
2: And youth seems to be, to to have gone their way for the last two seasons, uh, for the last two years, so why the heck not this year?
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, as, as optimistic optimistic I say, as we record this, as we record this on the, I mean, First of all, I'm amazed it's taken this uh, this long for Bex to try and defend her uh, bias. I think well, that's pretty much out there uh, at this point, Bex. I think, we all, I think we're all aware of that one. Um, yeah. but, uh, but no, I tried. But no, in, in free practice, because we're recording this on Thursday night, uh, July 27th, in free practice today as we recall this, um, the 21 Yamaha was fastest, um, albeit only by a couple tenths of a second um, from the factory Honda. Um, and, and we'll come on to them now um, because they've also rolled out the big guns um, for this year. They can't call upon Casey Stoner as they have in previous years because he's now a Ducati rider, of course. Um, so he's not part of their team. Um, what they've decided to go with, uh, Takumi Takahashi, um, who is one of their trusted test riders, he's raced for the team uh, in recent years, um, Takaki Nakagabi, who rides for Honda Team Asia in Moto2 and is likely to ride a Honda in G P next year, and Jack Miller um, is their other rider um, for Mishashi RT Hark Pro. Um, this ride, this bike, will be easy to spot. It has the 634 uh, on the front of it. If you want to um, spot it, if you're playing, uh, you, you're making your own spotters guide at home for this weekend. Um, so Jack Miller, who by all accounts, if you believe the rumours, is likely to be leaving Honda or leaving a Honda team for a Ducati team next year in MotoGP. He's likely to be joining Pramac in MotoGP. Um, Jack Miller will want to say farewell to Honda if it is a farewell with a victory. And as I say, he's—I mean—he's top ten in the one of the top ten riders in MotoGP right now. Um, is Jack Miller. So again. Not a bad rider to call upon if you want to take a factory bike to victory, and he has, like Nakagami and Takahashi, pressure on them because this used to be a race that Honda dominated. They've now gone two years without winning it.
2: <clears throat> exactly, they're kind of uh, stuck in a rut at the moment, and uh,
0: at a circuit they have own.
2: exactly. You don't need to kick a team when they're down, Lewis. Jesus <laughs>
0: Christ! No, there's pressure on them. I was <laughs> say. Uh,
2: yeah, it's it's kind. Of, it's not gone their way so far the last the last few years. Um, so where else to turn other than the little firecracker Jack
1: Miller Jack Miller
2: as long as well if he gets on the podium I'm not saying he's got to win it I was going to say I'm not going to say that he's got to win it but as long as he gets on the podium if he ain't drinking out of that boot mate I'm going to be having words of him when I next see him
0: yeah you're going to see if Alex Lowes will drink out of his boot uh, on Sunday night um, to, to cover that. Why not? Um, but as I say, it's been a very, very close run thing in free practice um, on Thursday um, because all of the manufacturers, all the big manufacturers who are competing this weekend were in the mix. Top three, three different manufacturers. The Yamaha 21 was quickest on a 207.5, a 2077 in second place uh, for the Mushashi Hark Pro Honda 634. And in third was the Yoshimura Suzuki um, on a 2083. Uh, now, Suzuki... Um, in previous years have called Alex Lowe's upon them he rode for them two years ago uh, and was unlucky to miss out on a podium um, this year uh, again Bex strong team just to emphasize how this is almost an all-star race um, the Suzuka A Tower because Takuya Suda who is Suzuki's MotoGP test rider uh, will be riding for the team his two teammates former British champion Josh Brooks and former world champion Sylvain Kitoli.
2: Yes. <laughs> no slow rider there. Not one hell of a slow rider. Oh God, does that does this mean that me and Jay have got to be pals because yeah. Josh Brooks and Ginters are like on the same team for a little bit? I mean, I know it's only eight hours, but I actually think that might be the longest eight hours of my life.
0: Yeah, they've they've never gone for longer eight minutes on this show.
2: This is true. Normally it takes me under eight minutes, and I get a shut your face in. So yeah. how am I going to last eight hours?
0: Yeah, yeah, Good luck with that one. Um, to be honest, um, Dre will probably be asleep by this point, so you might well get away with it. Um, but, uh, That's but yeah, all right. it's peace and uh... quiet. But there's, I, <laughs> be, Dre. I, I mean, so much can happen as we've seen. Yeah, so much can happen as we've um, as we've seen in the past in two great hours. It's an eight-hour race, so much can happen. It starts in daylight and finishes at dusk, essentially, uh, and it's always one of the great <laughs> spectacles. And I just love seeing it when. As in the last two years, Yamaha have come across the line and it's still one of my favorite memories of watching motorsport, of watching Bradley Smith bring the 21 home um, two years ago in near darkness. And you can just see the flashbulbs going off from the grandstands as the 21 Yamaha crosses the line to win the race. Um, and we've seen so much drama, have not we? We've seen that huge accident for Stoner at the egg tower two years ago, um, mm-hmm. uh, going through the right hander, approaching the hairpin, which could so easily have done so much damage to him, um, just as it did to his bike. Um just one incident it can change change the race. You can recover from an accident. You can recover from mechanical problems. There is so much that can happen. And any kind of mechanical problem or any kind of accident for the Yamaha and indeed for the 634 Honda, and Suzuki, with that lineup, are in position to pounce and and beat them this year. Um, It's going to be so fascinating to watch that. Um, The other manufacturer, four different manufacturers are in the top five, and uh, all four of them were Japanese manufacturers. You'll be not at all surprised to hear. The other one, Kawasaki, um, who have been busy completely dominating World Superbikes this year. Um, Can they now win the eight-hour? Kawasaki Team Green. Um, It's a full-fat factory Kawasaki ZX-10R, and they have called upon... um, one of these stars a British Superbikes, Leon Haslam, to lead their team. Um, and Haslam has eight-hour experience too, and um, you can't discount Kawasaki this year either. Oh.
2: <clears throat> I mean, you'd be mad to ever discount Kawasaki in, in any walk of, of life, really. But, no, I mean, <laughs> you hit the nail on the head pretty much. Anything can happen in this is a great era, and we might all have our favourites, and we might all know who we want to win. But so much can happen during the course of the race that, and everyone's got such good teams and strength in depth throughout, that really, can you guarantee a winner? Mm, can you no. really put your neck on the line that much? Because. I don't think he
0: can. No, no. I mean, I mean, last year uh, they were looking good. The Team Green Kawasaki, they were they were running up the front, battling for the podium spots until mechanical problems intervened. So, um, if that bike runs reliably, um, who knows what they can do? Um, as I say, with Haslam on board, they they have a, a proven rider in British superbikes, World superbikes, and he's been testing with K- Team Green as well. The Kawasaki clearly have a lot of faith and a lot of confidence in Haslam to go out there and do the job for them this weekend. So, uh, he's. You know, and probably he's going to be leading that team, um, but but what a team leader to have! I mean, I said it a few weeks ago on this show, I would have just loved one year, given that we have such a big summer break in World well, Superbikes for Kawasaki's Team Green, just to roll Ray and Sykes out um, for the Super Eight out. It would have been brilliant to see, um, but unfortunately, uh, that's going to have to wait for another year. Um, but Haslam is not a bad rider to be leading that team. Um, so many other strong riders in the lineup this year. We talked about the the All Star lineup. One rider who won't be there, unfortunately. Um, for the FCC TS ha- TSR Honda team, which also um, receives factory backing, is Stefan Bradl, who was due to race for them. Uh, Bradl, of course, is one of the Red Bull Honda um, World Superbike riders. Um, he, unfortunately, had an ear infection, which prevented him from travelling to Japan this week. Uh, if it didn't rain, it pours um, for Stefan Bradl at the moment. So he has been replaced by the Australian Josh Hook, um, alongside his teammates Dominique Egeta, um Moto2 regular rider, of course, and Randy DePunier. Former a MotoGP podium rider. Um, so, so they have a strong team as well. Um, other notable names, uh, Marcel Schrotter of Moto2 is out there for the S-Pulse Dream Racing Suzuki team. Uh, Yuki Kageyama and Hafish siren another Moto2 regular, are racing for the Kageyama Suzuki team. Um, Haslam's teammates at Team Green Kawasaki are Kazuma Watanabe and Aslan Shah, who's also a former Moto2 rider. Jason O'Halloran is out there at the 8-hour, running for the Honda Dream RT-Sakurai team. Christian Iden um, is at the BMW Motorrad 39 squad. Um, the Moriwaki Motul team also have a Honda. They have Ririchi Kianari and Dan Limfoot in their squad this week. Uh, and also the Moto Map Supply Suzuki team have Josh Waters and Nobuatsu Aoki uh, riding for them this weekend. There are so many strong names um, ready for the 8 hour this year, and of course, Bex has her eyes on one in particular. Um, <clears throat> you, you, you're so good. You mean? You're ho- so good historically, Bex, at predicting this. Um, oh so, um, God. So, are you are you banking on a third straight victory for the 21 Yamaha and Alex Lowe's bringing them home again? and uh,
2: I literally just said about two minutes ago. You cannot. guarantee
0: you think it's going to win but which is why you predict it
2: but if I were to go against anyone other than Alex Lowe's team I think I'd be roasted so Mm, bad on Twitter so uh, I'm going with three in a row baby
0: yeah it's I have to say if they 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 have all the makings of a team if they get it right if they produce a trouble free eight hours they should win this Uh, they really should they have the strongest team strongest bike out there um at that circuit in those conditions, so whatever happens, it's 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 always compelling viewing the a Eight Hour. Um, if you aren't hardcore um, and can't watch the whole eight hours because it, you know you pretty much have to f- forfeit a night's sleep to do it, um, it, it starts 3:30 a.m. UK time on uh, Sunday morning. If you're <coughs> listening to this in the UK, it's live on uh, Eurosport um, for, in its entirety. So um, just get yourself in front of the TV um, and watch it. If not. Set your alarm, get up uh, Sunday morning with a bacon butty and watch the end of the race to a conclusion at 11.30 on Sunday morning in dusk. Uh, at Suzuka, as I say, it is a spectacular spectacle as that race comes to a close and who will be coming to a close with victory. at Suzuka right out this weekend. We look forward to seeing how it unfolds. Whatever happens, we'll be back next week with episode 24 of Bike Live to review the Suzuki 8-hour, uh, and look ahead to the second half of the MotoGP season, which will be getting underway uh, in a week's time at Brno in the Czech Republic. My thanks to Rebecca James for joining me this week, and my thanks to Andre Harrison for joining me as we look back on BSB Brands Hatch earlier in the show. Uh, next week, as I mentioned, episode 24 of Bike Live and episode 97 of Motorsport 101, which on paper has all the makings of being one of the most exciting podcasts yet. As I say, if you don't know the reasons why, head over to our Twitter, motorsport101, for all the information. Our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. And our website is motorsport101.net. For myself, I'm Rebecca James and Andre Harrison. That's all we have time for this week. We look forward to your company next week. Bye for now.